Welcome to Tiki Central Canada. Ever wonder what's in that cool, refreshing drink that you just have to have on that hot summer's day? Mmm, me too. Picture a man going on a journey beyond sight and sound. He has left society. He has entered Tiki Central with palm trees, beach sand, blue skies, and God, get me a drink now. Here's your hosts, Craig, Paula, and Mark, and their wacky views in drinks, life, and maybe information. Hey folks, hey, how's it going? It's Craig here from Tiki Central Canada. I'll be your bartender, mixologist, and hopefully information for the hour. We'll see how it goes. And yes, we are via internet today. Uh, Paula's not with us, unfortunately. Walk, walk, walk. Uh, yeah, she's at a wedding in Brazil. It seems that she's gone for like a month. I guess weddings are really long in Brazil. Anyways, so anyways uh, the other co-host obviously is here with me. Our Tiki, our Tiki expert, Mark, is in the back cave. How are we doing, Mark? Not an expert, but I am here. Yes, I am in the back here. <laughs> I don't know. For a guy who's been doing, like, what, 30, 40 tiki bars, you, you've uh, got to ask some kind of knowledge, no? Oh, yeah. Well, some kind of knowledge. Yeah, 60, 70. There we go. Uh, something if, something if, like if you that. Count, if you count the same ones over and over again that I've been to repeatedly, yes. yeah, quite a few. Okay. <laughs> so for us, you are the tiki expert. Okay. And of course, guess who's back? Cameron. Cameron has made a special appearance today. And how are we doing, Cam? Hey, everybody. Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, thanks, Craig. Uh, yeah, great to be back. Um, you know, just just enjoying this beautiful summer weather we've been having and uh, trying not to get into too many too much trouble. There we go. As Cam says that with a fan blowing on him from behind. Yeah, <laughs> He's yeah. trying to cool off. That's it. Yeah, it's not it's not too humid today, but uh, you know, got to you know maintain persistent vigilance because yes. my goodness, it's uh, it's been unpleasant for for a couple of days. So. Yeah, I'm sure. Just I'm actually I'm hearing this. This is a global thing. It's been like the 40s across the board everywhere, like heat stroke everywhere. And now we're finally kind of cooling off. So thank God for that. Because uh, I mean, I love enjoying my summer. Don't get me wrong, but uh, I don't feel like I should be baking in it either. I'm, no, absolutely I'm, right. Yeah, I'm damp down here in the Batcave. <laughs> <laughs> For different reasons altogether. Okay, anyways, um, we're hoping that obviously everyone's enjoying their summer, and uh, thank you guys for uh, sticking, sticking to us, because I know we took quite a bit of a break there, and uh, I mentioned on the last episode description, uh, just a lot has happened. I have moved twice. Uh, my job has been up and down, up and down with obviously the bar opening, reclosing, bar closing, reopening. And then stuff like that. And then, um, but, you know, Paula's been in Brazil and back and forth, back and forth. She actually just moved. So it's like everyone's just moving. It's just everyone, no one's staying still. There we go. All right. So, hey, let's go on to the show. But more importantly, I thought you, like, called me up so that I could be on a podcast about drinks. And I still haven't heard anything about drinks. So what are we talking about today, Craig? All right. So today we're going to talk about a summer cocktail that's pretty famous in the world at this time, especially during the heat wave. And that is the mojito. So the mojito cocktail. It's basically a classic cocktail. Good drink. I don't yeah. know if it falls into the kind of tiki world. Uh, Mark, maybe you can get a little more enlightenment in this than any of the bars you've been to. Is mojito basically on the menu even? No. I didn't the, think so. Uh, well, but it is a Caribbean drink. Yes, that is so true. It makes it, it a, a tropical drink. drink. Yes. Uh, it, when you go down to Florida and places like that, 
their version of the tiki bar, which is just a thatched roof and people sitting around in shorts, there would be mojitos. There we so go. Mark, Mark, what you're really saying is that this, this beverage, it isn't so much tiki central as tiki adjacent. Oh, very good. Ah, yeah, so there we go. Very good. Yeah. good observation. Yeah. I like that observation. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But <laughs> now, I've already mixed a few. And I'm a quite few? old. <laughs> and I've already, well, you did give us the recipe beforehand. Yes, it's true. Okay. And so we had to be prepared. Yeah, of course, and, and, of course. And I'm, get, and I'm getting quite old. And, you know, with that, <laughs> with that, the memory starts to go. Yeah, no, the memory goes. Haven't we talked about the mojito before? Yes, actually, if you go way back to Cameron era, when Cameron was on the yeah. show as my co-host, we actually did the mojito back then. Uh, but what we're going to do is give you guys some new information about the mojito, some new variations of the mojito, which we're going to go through and and we've tried and tested and uh, we'll give you our input into, uh, good or bad, and also to some fun facts about Cuba. Oh, cool. There we go. I'm looking forward to it. Now, there we go. do we have a history of the mojito? Yeah, so let's go through some of the folk stories that are basically about the mojito. There's no true run-down-the-middle kind of fun facts of an origin story that basically is like, this is a story and this is how it started. Because some of the tricks we've done in the past where there's like a, a one-cut-and-dry, there's one story and that's it. This one has some, has some different kind of stories to how it started. So we're going to go through all those different versions. So the first version is Sir Francis Drake in 1586, who was a... Based an explorer, privateer, and pirate. Arr, he was a pirate. The notorious SFD. And apparently, uh, a guy you want to mess with uh, actually went to Cuba to steal gold. That's what pirates do. He, can't, he went to, to Cuba to steal the gold from the Cubans. Got to find your pot of gold. Or is that uh, the Lucky lucky Charms uh, theory? I don't know. I'm, I'm not a details guy. <laughs> Anyway, so what ended up happening in his journey is all these sailors basically got sick on his ship uh, with scurvy. And so what ended up happening was that they went ashore. They gathered up some herbal ingredients such as mint, lime, sugarcane, bark for some strange reason, and a spirit that they called burning water, uh, which actually is called – okay, and I need some translation on this. is Agua Dendente de Cana. Is that, that works. Cool? That's pretty close. Oh, I'm uh, – I'm so glad Paula's not here because she would slow slap me in the face right now. Aguardiente de Caña. There we go. So that actually means burning water, by the way, in Cuban. Uh, I don't know. What, what actually is the official language Bur of Cuba? Would well, that be, be Spanish? Spanish? That would be yeah. Spanish. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A different version of Spanish. Here we go. So anyways, yeah. So that is the theory. They basically brought all these ingredients back on the boat. The elk called the Drake El Drac, obviously after uh, Sir Francis Drake. But then once rum was actually produced, then he changed it over to mojito. Uh, Mark, you did some research. What exactly does the word mojito mean? Well, apparently there's an African word mojo, was moho, uh, mm -hmm. which means a kind of magic. And apparently the uh, mojo dita means Spanish for a little wet. <laughs> Crankies, I lost my mojo. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I, I had to throw that in there. It, it had oh, to come out. Oh, God. There we yeah. go. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. There we go. But no, all you awesome good. Powers fans out there, there we go. You got it out of the way. That's the there we go. I got it out of the way. There we go. Yeah. All right. So that is one theory. So the second theory is it actually is that Havana 
Uh, Cuba is the birthplace of mojito, uh, is made by the local Cuban tribesmen to basically prevent certain tropical illnesses. So the same thing again, they basically collected the burning water, the mint, the sugarcane juice, and the lime juice. And they actually found out that the lime juice actually is the only thing you really need to prevent scurvy. Uh, I think me and you, Cam, talked about this because lime juice has vitamin D. Is that what it is? C. It's, it's sorry, just C. good old, yeah, it's good old vitamin C. Um, right. Yeah, keeps your teeth in your head and uh, prevents, uh, <laughs> you know, the various other uh, scourges of scurvy. That's what I'm not doing right. Okay, there we go. <laughs> vitamin D you get from the sun, or if you're in Canada, you get it from your milk. That's it, or supplements because there is no sun during the winter time. Yes, there we go. That's why it's in milk, actually. Ah, there we go. Good call. Very good call. So the third theory is Mr. Ernest Hemingway made the drink famous in the bar called. Okay, so what the hell is that? The Bodaguita del Medio. There we go. That uh, bar basically in Cuba. He made it famous. Uh, the mojitos there. They also made it for Mr. Ernest Hemingway. Very famous, obviously, for the daiquiri, and then also the mojito. Um, I don't think he's famous for the pina colada, although I did hear that too, though somewhere that he may have also been made it, uh, and it had an influence on the pina colada. He's pretty famous for like punching people. Yeah, he's a very unique man for sure. There's a movie I just saw not too recently on him, and it's weird. He actually would type on a, a regular typewriter, obviously, but actually he would put it on the dresser, so he didn't have a desk. So he'd actually would never sat down when he wrote. And what he would do is he'd drink all day, take a nap, and then write at nighttime, like late at night. That's why standing desks are good for you. There you go, because you could type and create some amazing novels or drink a lot of rum. One of the two. Well, and you want to fall asleep. There we go. It's true. Mark, you told me at one point, though, he's also I was very famous for certain cats. He had the, uh, the six claw cat. No. He, when he lived in Key West... Yeah, yes. he enjoyed the six-toed cats. Six-toed cats. Diactyl. Polydactyl. Polydactyl. Very, okay, very there good. we go. Yeah, I guess diactyl. You, 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 yeah. do, oh, get, you. you do get bonus points for that. Most ding, people, ding, 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 Yeah, I mean, I got it wrong, but I'll take the point. Yeah, you know? <laughs> the, uh, yes, the, uh, that's where he wrote a number of places. So if you're ever in Key West and there's no cruise ships in town, check out Hemingway House because it's still crawling with polydactyls. Wow, that's amazing. And people ask, why, why don't they leave? And they go, they're fed, they're taken care of. There's two vets um, taking care hello? of them. Why would you yeah. leave? Why would you leave? I wouldn't. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't. Oh, no. Yeah. Not going to happen. All the cats have names named after uh, famous celebrities. Oh, I did not know so, that. Yeah, so we got to hang out with Humphrey Bogart. So those are the three theories, basically how the mojito was the origin of the of the mojito. Take your choice. Which one do you think is the most believable? All, all of them kind of don't really have some hard, cold facts behind them. Um, I got to interject because this is sort of semi-embarrassing, but um, <laughs> I di was completely unaware of what a mojito was until I visited Cuba for a, for a family wedding a million years ago, at least 15, probably more like 20 years ago. Um and I remember really enjoying it, but to date, I still don't really know what goes into it. Okay, so let's run you guys down to a, a basic traditional mojito, and then we're going to do some spinoffs. So a traditional mojito is actually built in a Collins glass or some people call the highball glass. 
and in there what you're gonna do what is if you i get, wanted in my glass you can do or you can do cam's glass you want to or you can do what i did today in a wine glass there we go that works pretty good uh, <laughs> whatever glass you are comfortable with i guess there we go Anyways, uh, so you're looking at six to eight leaves of mint you're going to put into your glass, whatever glass you have. About one ounce of simple syrup, one ounce of lime juice. Now, depending on you, we could ever wish you want to do uh, whatever it is, is one to one. So in other words, whatever amount of simple syrup you put in there, you also want to do in the same thing in ratio to lime juice. Well, no, I don't use sweet and sour mixes because those are terrible. Please do not use them. They're worthless. They don't do any good. Uh, also, too, you could use some white rum. So I imagine Mark did some Havana Club white rum. Yeah, the three, yes. There we go. If you're going to go Cuban, you're going to go all the way, right? There we go. Uh, I did use a plantation rum, which is from Trinidad, Jamaica, and Barbados. It's a good mix. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so two ounces of white rum. Then what you're going to do is you're going to muddle that. And what I mean by that, and we talked about this in the past, when you take your baseball bat or whatever you're using to muddle, is to not pound on it or press on it really hard, but actually just basically turn, push down and turn. So what you want to do is you don't want to break up the leaves because what ends up happening is that the leaves, when they're broken, get very tart and your drink will get very tart. Uh, so what you want to do is you want to just press the leaves so the oils come out of the leaves to release the oil. That's what you're trying to do there. And then what you can do is you can top that glass off with some ice and then top it off with some club soda. Take a spoon in there, kind of mix it around so you get all the mint leaves kind of through the entire glass, make it look nice and pretty. And then the garnish on that is going to be a mint sprig. Now, take your mint sprig, you've first poured before. You actually get to do is you're going to slap it between your hands because what that does is releases the oils from the mint. So, yes, this is a very barbaric cocktail where you're using a muddler and you're smacking your mint. Uh, it's a good way to get out your frustrations. There you go. Now, if you do have a drink in one hand, you can actually smack the mint on your forehead. <laughs> Why do I think that Mark has done this before? You, sir, are a very efficient man, and I feel your there management There you go. Material. I, my hat is off to you that you can actually, you know. Well, you have to take your hat off. Oh, <laughs> that's a good one. There we go. Bum, bum, bum. You know, the funny thing is that Paul is here. We're not, if you actually explain that pun to her, you, know, you realize that, right? <laughs> Yeah, so any way you can smack your mint, um, forehead, your hand, other parts of your body if you want to. I don't really care. But uh, yes, that basically what it is. Then you do is you put the mint in your glass, the straw in your glass, and away you go. You're good to go. There we go. Now, the other reason, like you do what Craig says, with just muddle gently, as it were, because you don't want to break up the leaves, because then people, your guests can end up with these little embarrassing green things between their teeth. I have a feeling that obviously this happened to Mark and he's had to actually mint in his teeth. That's what I'm thinking. He's probably been <laughs> some sort of fancy, you know, some event, whatever. And he's sitting chatting it up and telling the history of Tiki. And then some guy's going, you know, you got a little, little something yeah, there, yeah, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Little, 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 I mean, to be blunt, if, if green in my teeth is the worst thing that's in my teeth, I feel like I've done an all right job today. There you go. Fair enough. So beyond the basic drink, which I truly love, like I think it's just, it's such a wonderful combination of simple flavors that are greater than the sum of its parts. Yeah. But, but that said, it can also feel like, like, like when you're drinking it, 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 you can tell it's a relatively straightforward drink. And so what I'm curious about is... What, if anything, have have people done to kind of spruce it up or, or you, you know, add a little flair to it or anything like that? 
Yeah, so of course, this is Tiki Central Canada, so we never do just a normal drink. We're going to just spruce this up. So a couple of things, actually, and this is one of the ones I learned in Cuba when I was there having mojitos, and these were like mind-blowing, amazing mojitos. And the trick is basically, he fills it in, he puts it in the glass, he puts all the mint, the rum, and everything else in the ice in there. And when he goes to fill up the soda, he only fills it up halfway, what's left in the glass, the soda, and then tops it off either with 7-Up or Sprite, because 7-Up and Sprite have citrus content to them. Right, got to give them an influence on them. So you're adding a little bit of sugar to it for sure, of course, but it actually does it softens up the mint. So then it's not overpowering. And yeah, it, it was an amazing drink. And so now when I make mojitos at my work, I do it that way. I basically do like soda water about halfway up, uh, and then seven up the rest of it to kind of uh, give it more aeration in there, and also to some of the more lime lime flavor uh, profile in there. And it looks it's really really good. Uh, another one you can also do too is uh, Demir syrup. I mean, Mark obviously could talk a little bit more about this, but instead of using just simple white sugar to water, there's also brown sugar to water. We talked about this before. If you're not quite sure what Demir syrup means or brown sugar combination, it's like if you made a coffee with your white sugar and then you made your coffee with brown sugar in it, it's also going to have a different profile or different flavor to it. So, Mark, what is your take on that? Because, I mean, I know I know you do a lot of Demir syrup on, yeah, on your coffee. The Demir uh, sugar is you can find it at Costco, you know, organic, that kind of stuff. So, it's easy to find. Yeah. And it just adds this little hint of molasses. It's not like dark, dark brown syrup. It's not like you're making, I don't know, you're not cooking with it or anything. So, it just says yes. this hint. Yeah. So, it's... Yeah. A little bit darker, just gives a little bit, uh, a little bit of flavor profile in the background. That's tend to be the only, the only simple syrup I make. Yeah, and then another one you can also do too is obviously is we can also try to change out the rums as well. So we're going to give you guys some samples of different mojitos that we tried, which ones were good, which ones were bad, and so let's go through some of those options that we made for you guys. I know I'm skipping a little bit in the, in the script here. No, let's do it. So. The first one we tried, and uh, you guys can give me your uh, input on it, is instead of using regular white rum, we used coconut rum, um, and also too, a little bit of cream of coconut in there as well. So, Cam, we'll go to you first, because I know you said this is one of your favorite ones so far, the ones you tried. So what was your take on it? Yeah, no, I, I really like this one. I, I think I mentioned before before we started the podcast, I, I think I probably put a little bit too much soda water into it. But that said, it had a very, very nice uh, coconut signature, I guess I'd call it. Mm. Not overpowering at all. I often find the coconut can be quite, like it just dominates all the other flavors you put in. But this was very nice and very, you know, a very mild coconut. And... It definitely added to the drink, but I will say that it made it a little bit less assertive. Okay. It, there was less bang on the first taste. It, mm. It's more of a subtle kind of like... It softened like, up the drink a bit. Yeah, yeah, the flavor glides over your tongue rather than kind of punches you. Yeah, but I really liked it. There we go. And Mark, what was your take on the coconut one? I really liked it. The uh, I didn't expect... I would like it. I'm just going to go, oh, this is going to be minty, coconutty. But no, it's nice. It's, it's not as refreshing as a regular mojito. It's more of a cocktail. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's still still a summer cocktail, but um, I liked it. I would have it again. As a matter of fact, I still have, I still have some left. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very surprised. There we go. All right. So the next uh, one we tried was a little bit of Italian limoncello into it. I found with this one, and let me go first. I found that it did make it a little too citrusy. 
it kind of took away from the mint uh, a bit. I mean, it was still was a, a good drink, but it just it seemed like it was more towards the citrus side than a well balanced cocktail. Uh, what was your take on that? I'll go with Mark first. What do you think, Mark? Yeah, it tasted like once again like a different cocktail. The uh, yeah. more citrusy, but then the minty part was like gone, so it was no longer a refreshing summer drink. It was just a lemony cocktail with a bit of mint. Yeah, like almost like a lemonade kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Cam, what was your take on that? Yeah, no, I mean, I I agree with both you guys. Uh, I just add that I feel like if it had just been uh, like lemon concentrate, like lemon juice concentrate or something like that, it would have worked better because with the uh, lemoncello, you get a whole bunch of additional sugar, and I found that really noticeable, and it kind of flattened out the other flavors. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. There we go. Okay, so the next one we did is a kiwi additive. So basically, it was kind of a kiwi concentrated syrup that we added to it. Basically, this kiwi syrup I use at work to make uh, a cocktail that's kind of tropical and light and refreshing. Not obviously a mojito, but uh, I figured, well, what the hell? Let's just give it a try and see what it tastes like. So, Cam, what was your take on that one? Uh, so I preferred the kiwi one to the lemoncello one, but it was the same basic issue, although in a slightly different way, because like kiwi, you know, if you eat kiwi fruit, like if you bite into a kiwi fruit, hopefully you mm-hmm. peeled it first, but, yeah. um, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's how know, most of us do it there, Mark. Okay, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, but, but it's got an intensity to the tartness to it that right. you don't get if you just kind of, you know. I don't know, squeeze the hell out of a couple of kiwis and then drink the juice. Um, it, it, it loses some of that zing. And that, that was kind of a running theme for me with, with some of these uh, taste tests was that it's like, yes, it adds flavor, but the drink itself loses a little bit of what it may, what makes it a mojito. Well, yeah. And, and, and exactly. what makes it so fun. Yeah. And uh, Mark, yeah, it was like I've never had that syrup or whatever it uh, is. Is it? <laughs> yeah, just to let you guys know, I dropped off a care package to Cam and to uh, Mark, and that was. He's like, "What's this green stuff in a glass here, Craig?" And I'm like, "Well, it's kiwi syrup." Oh, okay. Well, we'll go with that then. Yeah, yeah. And it was just like when I took the first sip, it was just like, "What is this?" And Cam's right; it it doesn't really add to it. It adds more flavor. But it takes away from the rest of the flavors, though, too. Yeah. 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 Kind of dominates everything. Exactly. So the next one is the one that kind of inspired the show, actually. Uh, and I'll add a, a link to it is on YouTube. Is a channel called How to Drink. And on there, he actually did five different kinds of mojitos with different herbs. So he did like thyme, sage, basil, dill, I think was one of the other ones he used. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So the only one that he actually said was decent uh other than mint was the basil one so i figured okay well we'll try that one and see what it th- what it tastes like to me it just tasted very herbal it kind of yeah it became not a mojito anymore it's almost like water like almost like mineral water with a little bit of herbs in there so that's what it tasted like for me were you guys what are you thinking it wasn't summery refreshing it was it did taste like somebody had put some water on the middle of the table with some lemon and some basil in there yeah yeah so yeah, I didn't think that I didn't think it added anything to the drink. No. So of all the ones we tried, obviously the classic is the classic, but I think that basically the coconut one is the one that we're definitely going to put on the page for you guys. That one seemed to be the best one, and all we really did it was basically 
Cameron did it a little different than us because he didn't have cream of coconut. So he did two ounces of coconut rum instead of the white rum. Me and Mark, I think Mark, you did the same as I did, was one ounce of rum and one ounce of coconut rum, but then a half ounce of cream of coconut. No, I did the whole coconut, man. We all three of us did it differently. I did a one ounce of rum. Okay, all right. So obviously all three of us. Yeah, it's interesting, though. Like, despite that, we've all sort of come to similar conclusions on it. So, I mean, yeah, exactly, from my yeah. view, it sort of feels like there's something fundamental about the flavor combinations that, you know, maybe like they work in their own right, but they're not a mojito. Yeah, so I guess the mint and the coconut kind of are well combined together. There's two ingredients that seem to Agreed. work well together. Um, it's very interesting because actually I have this book on my in my library and it's more for cooking. But basically what you do is it's an encyclopedia. And what you do is you go into it and pick an ingredient, say example like mint. And then what it does, it gives you ingredients that complement it and ones that don't complement it. So if you're cooking, so example, it might say mint and it might say coconut is like one of the ingredients that complement it where maybe something else doesn't complement it. And it's, it's a good book to use for us bartenders when we're creating cocktails because then I can go, okay, I'm going to use this one ingredient, say example, that I want to use. I can go in there and I find out other ingredients that's going to complement it and make it a better drink. It's a good book for that kind of reference. Yeah, no, wholeheartedly agreed. Um, but one of the things we haven't talked about, I don't think anyway, is the types of rum to use. Yes. Um, and particularly Cuban rums. Yes. So, you know, Craig, you've talked previously about, you know, Bacardi and Havana Club, but I'm wondering if you could give us a little bit more information on these giants of the rum industry as it is right now. Especially Cuban rum. So, yeah, let's talk about Cuba. Let's talk about Bacardi and, and Havana Club. Okay, so let's go back in time. So Bacardi actually left Cuba in 1961 due to the Castro regime. This obviously was a dictator that took over all the businesses and what it was that the government was running all the businesses in Cuba. So in other words, there was no privately owned companies, example, i.e. Bacardi. And so, of course, they left. Now, uh, here's an interesting fact. So even right now, if you go into Cuba and order a drink with rum in it, the Havana Club that they use is all government owned. Uh, but anyway, so Bacardi left Aussie uh, behind uh, a whole bunch of stuff. And one of the things they did leave was their Bacardi Tower building, which is still standing today. Uh, it was designed by Maxfield Parish, And uh, like I said, it still stands today. It's almost like a museum. I think that it actually it is now it's turned into a museum, a historical museum. But they actually went into pop is Bacardi moved to Puerto Rico. And so they set up shop in Puerto Rico. And one of the reasons why they picked Puerto Rico is because it is a U.S. territory, so therefore they didn't have to pay duties. But here's a kind of a fun fact in my research. Puerto Rico has 3.2 million residents, okay? They're all U.S. residents. However, according to the U.S. federal government or the laws, the island-based Puerto Ricos can't vote in a presidential election and have lacking of voting representation in the Congress. So it's kind of a strange scenario. They're basically U.S. territory, but they can't vote on any elections or any Congress influence. Um, that's kind of strange. Then you mentioned before, I think we had this conversation, is there another part of U.S. states that has the same conditions? Uh, yeah, no. So when I cannot, like, I can't say that the conditions are exactly the same, but yeah, the District of Columbia, so that's as in Washington, D.C., yeah. um, also has limited voting 
rights for its citizens because it's not considered part of a state. It's a district. It's separate. Right. Okay. Then and and so yeah, like that's something that you know continues to be an area of friction in the states with you know different groups arguing for well Puerto Ricans example themselves right well yeah like Puerto Ricans arguing for statehood others arguing against statehood and so it continues to be a like a contentious issue and it's something that's come up again and again. Wow, you, you know, politically, so it's it's an interesting situation that continues to be, to a certain extent, I think, shackled to its history. I'll have to add to what Craig said earlier, though. The um, while we can't get a lot of Cuban rums here, other than Havana Club, there are other Cuban rums that you can get if you happen to go there. Yes, there's yes. Uh, there's rums called Santiago, Veradero, Vigia, Cube, Legendero. And uh, Mulata. I actually have a bottle of uh, Vigia here. So, ha, ha, uh, 18 year old. Oh, baby. Have you cracked it yet? Is it cracked? My, no. I didn't think so. No. So, for you people out there, by the way, there's rum connoisseurs that, like, example, like, uh, or we're more collectors. And we have these bottles in our collection. Uh, I have bottles, I'm sure, and, and I'm sure Mark does as well. Um, They've never been cracked. They, they literally are still sitting on our shelves. Never been opened. I don't know what it is. It's just, it's like example. Like I got, I got one from uh, Jamaica. It's a Blackwell James Bond 007 special edition bottle. I don't, I don't know if I, I don't know if I ever will crack that. It just, it's uh, yeah. Well, it's a well, item. well, you're the Bond geek. That's why. I'm just saying is that I'm sure you have the same scenario in yours, right, Mark? Where you've got bottles you might have never cracked yet because you just like I don't know. It's just this weird. Just waiting for the right time. Yeah, I guess. Maybe it's, you know, maybe the right celebration, the right event, maybe. I, maybe I'll crack it. So speaking of geeks and bat geeks, uh, Bacardi has the bat symbol. I see it shining in the sky every time I come down here. But, <laughs> That's right. He's mistaken uh, it for the Batmobile. It's like, oh, crap. Oh, wait, no. Do I drink or drive? I'm not quite sure what to do here. <laughs> More rum in the sky again. So why did... Why does Bacardi have a bat on their bottles? All right. So good question. And I get this like quite a few times actually from people obviously that know I, I, I do some research and things. Story goes back to 1862 when uh, Don uh, Bacardi Masao actually set up the Bacardi first distillery in Cuba. And now it didn't take long for his wife to discover that hundreds of fruit bats were actually following the smell of the molasses and were hiding out in the distillery rafters. So unlike most homeowners and, of course, dwellers who kind of feel like, hey, these are uninvited guests, they actually decided to let them stay there. What was the thing we said about bat uh, poop? Is uh, What's the term for that? Guano. Yeah, yeah, from Ace Ventura. Guan. <laughs> the, the, I think it's Ace Ventura Part 2 where he actually is chasing down the sacred bat. <laughs> I know. I, I mean, yes, A Picture is not exactly a, a documentary of any kind, but uh, it actually does have a funny it twist. It has to its it. place. It has its place. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, some of the stories claim also the reason why they let the bats stay there is because they recognize the bats as good luck and symbols of good health. So superstition, I guess, kept the bats there. So enough about Bacardi, though. I'm done with the bats, Okay. All right, so Havana Club. So the Havana story goes back to the Archibella family, found the distillery in Cuba in 1878. The company created the Havana Club brand in 1934 and sold the rum under the name both in Cuba and the United States. So obviously this is before the Castro regime 
came into power. So it ended up happening the company was actually nationalized without compensation by the Castro government in 1960. A lot of people say that the family allegedly was taken from them under gunpoint. Nothing better than, hey, Kay, give us your business or your company. No, no. Okay, we give it to you. Here you go. Take it. Take it. Yours. It's yours. Okay. Booze or die. Booze or die. Yeah. <laughs> I just feel like there should be some sort of Italian mafia, like you know, like Castro's like, oh, you give me you, you give me a company, and I owe you a favor, okay? And someday down the line, uh, we'll, I will return the favor. <laughs> Arguably, that's what the Cuban government is. There we go. That's a whole lot of favors they owe. So anyway, essentially, so much of the family was forced to leave Cuba to go to Spain, and the United States, uh, while some other family part members were actually imprisoned. Oh boy, geez, uh, rough times. They began exporting this version of Havana Club globally, except for obviously the United States, due to the embargo, which was put in place by the U.S. government. So, Mark, it's up to you now. I've uh, asked you to do some little bit of homework. We're talking about the embargo and Cuba and the restrictions. So give us an update exactly from this time on how it goes, because I know Obama went in there and tried to... Yes, Barack Obama. Tried to put down a few like a few of the limitations, allowing family to visit, and and one of the things he did allow was the personal use of bringing in rums and and cigars. Yes, yes. And I remember Good going. Man, I love this guy. <laughs> driving down to the Thousand Islands, going through the um, duty free, and they had Havana Club there, so it was just like I'd bring down four or five bottles for people down in Florida. Not a problem. Thanks, Obama. His predecessor decided that this was a bad idea. And so as of September 23rd, 2020, uh, it is it is illegal to import Cuban cigars and Cuban rum from even third-party countries by anyone. So I can't bring it down. Americans can't come here and take it down. What a party pooper. <laughs> what did it bring it down? Jeez, man. And there's no way around it. It's just no. like, how much duty is it? No, there's no duty. You just can't take it with you. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so it was nice because uh, when I went to Cuba, I stayed uh, close to uh, the town of Holguin, and that's where the uh, Cohiba Cigar Factory is. And so we did a tour of the factory. And then there was all kinds of deals out on the street. Yeah, so like when I went there, yeah. So, example, we stayed in the Coco uh, Resort. Just, it's an island just, just off of Cuba. And then we drove onto the mainland, obviously, and then met a tour guide there who brought us into a restaurant that basically wasn't even open yet. The chairs are still up on the tables and basically opened it up just to us. We uh, got there by a horse and carriage. So we invited in the guy that drove us, uh, took care of the horse, and we brought him in as well for mojitos. And then he must have made a phone call or something along the way because within five minutes, there was a guy there with a bag of cigars, Cuban cigars, basically like, whatever you'd like to take home with you, let me know what you need. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't smoke cigars, but uh, I hope my friends, of course, are going to expect me to bring back some cigars. So I bought a whole bunch of cigars from him. But uh, it was it was really cool. Like, if you go to Cuba, you uh, have to realize that uh, you're not going there for the food. That's one thing, folks, just let you know. But the people there are amazing, and the the atmosphere and the culture is absolutely amazing. One of the things that I, I was very floored by is that they have these 50s Chevys, so from 52 to 57, 58 Chevys. They're pr pristine condition, driving around everywhere in different colors and different uh, styles and stuff. Um, so because they can't get parts in because of the embargo, they actually fabricate the parts and then basically rebuild the car themselves. So everything has basically been fabricated there, which makes it more of a pride for them because each car is not like the next one. Like they're all very unique in their own way. And uh, the guys take the cars very seriously. So 
that's one thing that I definitely took back from Cuba and I've actually heard, and of course, internationally, they're well known for is their 50, their 50 Chevys that you see everywhere you go. It's just amazing. Yeah, no, I, I, I saw a few of those while I was out there. I was hoping, I was really hoping to see some some VW Beetles. Uh, because <laughs> That's I, not going to happen, yeah. Well, no, like, because like, Cuba continued to manufacture Beetles for years oh. after they were actually, like, discontinued by VW. And so for a while there, the, there were some absolutely incredible examples of that little, uh, of that little nice. car. But, uh, nice. but yeah, I didn't, uh, I, I, I was there in the early mid 2000s, I'd say, or like, yeah. like between 2005, 2010. Yeah. And uh, yeah, no, I mean, those Chevys were still going strong though. And they're glorious. Um, yeah. So there's some cool facts about the Mojitos, uh, about Havana Club, Bacardi, and of course, Cuba. Uh, here's one cool fact, by the way, the mojito scene in the James Bond, because you know me about James Bond. Oh, I love James Bond. Uh, and the Die Another Day, strange title for a movie, by the way, you know, especially for James Bond. I'm going to kill you now. No, wait, can you wait another day? I just want to kind of, you know, you well, know. And it doesn't and it doesn't work with Sean Connery's like accent. You can't say like, die another day. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it should have been. Dash on the weekend. That's it. Yeah. No, but I can see, you know, he's going to shoot somebody. He's like, James, James, can I get some things in order? You know, I need to close some bank accounts, uh, fill some life insurance policies. Uh, can I die another day? Maybe like yeah. tomorrow, maybe, maybe Tuesday. Is that a good yeah. day for you? Maybe we can pencil it in for a Wednesday. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the old days in Westerns where they called you out, right? Hey, by sundown. There we go. So anyway, in that movie in 2002, uh, is in Cuba, James Bond's in Cuba, and he offers mojitos to Halle Berry's character. And literally overnight, mojitos became very popular again. So they were kind of dying off a little bit and weren't as popular. But as soon as this movie came out, they blushed and became very demanding in every bar you could go into. We've seen that with a lot of movies. I mean, we saw that. I saw that with Italian Job. I remember the Mini Coops. The Mini Coops were kind of dying off, and then all of a sudden, Italian Job comes out, and Mini Coops is like everywhere. Everyone wanted a Mini Coop. I'm sure there's movies you guys have seen where like there's been some major influences on our social kind of culture in that perspective. It's just pretty wild, wild how that happens. Like, I mean, example, I'm sure Mark can remember uh, when you watch, if you watched back in the days, Miami Vice. All of a sudden, everyone in high school was wearing like blazers and blue and yellow and orange, ne- uh, sorry, uh, pink neon colors, sockless you know. loafers. Sockless loafers, exactly. It was like the cool thing to do, right? Yeah, yeah. White pants. And the white pants. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so yes, yeah, so that is basically the, the story of the mojito. Uh, by the way, the references I used for the show were the and a bottle of rum, which is by Wayne Curtis. That's also one of Cool Links. And another one that's on there is Beach Cocktails by Oxmoor House. It's a combination of a bunch of writers that decide to make some cocktails for the summer. That's where we got the limoncello one from and the coconut rum one from. Um, so some great recipes in there as well. So anyways, yes. So that is the Mojito show. Uh, thank you, Cam, for coming back and giving your input. Oh, thanks for having your, me, man. Your wisdom, yeah. uh, so to speak. It's been fun. There we go. And of course, Mark. It's always fun with Cam. There we Aww. go. Fun with Cam. Yeah. Aww. Aww. sounds like a kid show. All right. Hey, it's fun with Candy today. Fun I'm going to have another drink for you, Mark. <laughs> oh, thank there you. we go. Was that the beer in the fridge you don't like? Yeah, I was saying, is that the beer in the no, fridge? No, no, I'll make something up. No, f- screw that. I'll, I'll get something. Uh, I'll, I'll mix something up. 
Who buys a beer they don't like? Wait, how did that even happen? I want to know. I didn't buy it. It's just somebody left it here. So okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like when people bring over like I'm sure you guys have both had this. Someone brings over a cheap bottle of wine, and you're like, oh, thanks, thanks, thanks. Okay. Oh my god, we got to regift this now, don't we? <laughs> yeah, we used to do that. Come to a party with. 24 of something nobody's ever heard of. Right? <laughs> old Milwaukee. Old, yeah, or in, and in my case, because because I'm old, there was this beer in Ontario called King's Beer. And we used to get a 24. It was only available in 24s. So we'd bring a 24 of King's Beer. Sure enough, it was always the last one left. Right? There you it was go. Always Let King's Beer it. for us. So there yeah. you go. Rule of thumb. <laughs> Don't bring the most popular beer to a party because it'll be gone before you no, know. No, no. Bring the most disgusting crap that you can swallow and uh, go from there. <laughs> All right. And, of course, Mark, thank you very much for your input and some research you did there for us on the embargo. Um, yes, it was quite some good information there. It just sucks that they're now back going backwards and uh, dealing with all that. So, uh, oh, well, it is what it is, right? Indeed. Life. Yep. All right, so let's tell everybody who we are. We are www.tikicentricata.ca. Or .com. All one word. All one word and .com. There you go. And on that page, you will see all the information about this episode and the recipes. We'll, we'll put the coconut one on there for you guys. I think the rest we're going to kind of just leave off to the side because, uh, you know, we want to give you guys good quality drinks. We don't want to you guys making drinks that, you know, that don't hold up to par on our show. So uh, that's why we're the guinea pigs and you guys get the best of the best. There we go. So, uh, yes, there is the episode page, recipe page. So, of course, during the summertime, it's great to go to the recipe page uh, to search out some drinks. We do have our subscribe page, so please do subscribe. Please. There we go. So we can buy Cam a six-pack of decent beer. <laughs> there we go. Please do. Please yes. do. He's so thirsty. He's so thirsty. So thirsty. There we go. And uh, yes, the cool link page, obviously, where all the references are to all the show. And yeah, that is all we got, folks. So thank you for listening. Stay tuned to the next show. See ya. See ya. Well, I don't know about you, but I got informed. Guys, hey, guys, where's my drink? That's right. We'll be there on Sunday morning with pamphlets, for Christ's sakes. Here we go. Craig needs new shoes. <laughs> That's it. Have you tasted rum yourself, sir? Here. Here's a pamphlet on it. There we go. Uh, let's see. Yes. Cool links. Seriously, sir, can I interest you in this bottle of booze? <laughs> <laughs>